you can create what's called a talk trigger, which is you can force some, not force, you can strongly encourage someone to talk about you before they've even kind of like been down the path. Mm-hmm. Double Tree Hotels does this. Mm. Before you experience the, the room, when you're checking in, they create a talk trigger. When you're checking into a Double Tree Hotel, have you ever done one? No, uh, maybe, but but go ahead. It's not a maybe because you would okay, know. Okay, then I would remember. Yes. When you, and everyone's listening right now knows what I'm talking about. When you check into a Double Tree Hotel, they give you a warm chocolate chip cookie. Mm-hmm. So I get home from my flight, check in my hotel, go upstairs, talk to, call my wife. I'm like, she's like, how's it going? I'm like, this place is really nice. <laughs> they gave me a warm chocolate chip. Like that, like it's a talk trigger. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run, always chasing, never stopping. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. How are you, Ben? I'm good, Patrick. Thank you. Today we are going to dive back into a conversation, and we're going to continue a conversation that we had a little while ago um, about uh, your what you call the theoretical development of a business. This is something that you've developed over the years, specifically for um, the Affiliate Excellence Seminar that you've given a mm-hmm. lot. Um, and so I wanted to start the conversation. In today's, today's conversation, we're going to go uh, uh, do a deeper dive on a segment of that theoretical development, uh, which is marketing marketing, branding, advertising. Um, but before we get into the conversation about marketing, why don't you give us a, a quick recap of what the theoretical development of a business is um, and maybe why it was important for you to conceptualize it in the way that you did. Yeah, sure. So um, I like to work in terms of imagery. So the, I've, uh, the theoretical development of a business is the way I would go about constructing. It's the way I have gone about constructing the businesses I've been a part of. Um, what's interesting is... Um, if I was to develop a team or something else, it might be very similar, right? Which a is, team like a football team? Yeah, exactly. So an organization, period, whatever that might be. Um, so the most important thing is establishing the culture. Um, in our our space, it, we kind of use the word synonymous with community because mm-hmm. um, the customers that we interact with have a large part to say about how our culture uh, is reflected. And that is when a, a CrossFit gym. But the culture that you create in times, in terms of uh, if you create a strong team, if you create a real strong culture, that's the most important thing. The next thing is creating a great product. Um, and for us in our space, that is coaching CrossFit. The third level of that, uh, the third tier of that pyramid would be marketing, which we're going to take the deeper dive on today. Above that lies management, both in terms of organizational structure and leadership. And then finally is the systems that you put in place, um, kind of the standard operating procedures. Got it. And um, the theoretical development of a business works in the same way that the theor- theoretical development of an athlete would, where mm-hmm. the base um, is, again, theoretically the most important. So you wouldn't want to skip to the top of the pyramid without focusing or putting your attention on the bottom, correct? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you're only going to be as strong as your base, right? The foundation is the thing that everything else is built upon. So yep. you could have the most dialed in, geeked out um, systems in place. But if you have a culture uh, where people are taking every available shortcut and there's no uh, inherent trust, like it doesn't matter what's mm-hmm. going to happen there. Now, if you have a culture full of trust and everyone's busting their butt and working hard and going above and beyond and um, you know, there's this, uh, everyone's, you know, 
the principles that we've instilled of embracing harsh realities, um, of um, team before me and going above and beyond and um, knowing how to work and communicate with each other. You have those things in place and then you layer on some systems. Now mm -hmm. the whole thing kind of churns really right. nicely. Right. Where it wouldn't if you did but it the opposite the other way. way. Or it wouldn't necessarily lead to that. Correct. Okay. Um, so that's a good overview of the theoretical development of a business. Today we're going to talk about marketing. And I think I wanted to start with just a sense from you or maybe a conversation about what how do we how do we define marketing, right? Because defining things is the first step in Powerful. in in get in improving them, yep. right? Um, and so before we were recording, I sort of asked if you had a definition of marketing. Um, and you have a you have, and we're going to get into a definition of what branding is and what advertising is, but maybe marketing in general, um, you maybe just don't have one yet. So to start the conversation, I wanted to give you mine because because marketing, branding, all this stuff is something that I. I think a lot about, mm -hmm. um, I've done a lot of work with and, and work on. So I wanted to give you my definition of marketing and then we can kind of play off of what you think about it, where you think it's right, where maybe you think it's wrong. And so for me, the, the definition of marketing is the act of making promises about the changes you seek to instigate. Um, and then what branding is, again, these, these are, these are my definitions and, and you can, we're, we're surrounded by books that offer yep. their own definitions, but so these are mine. And then, so what branding is, is all of the ways you either keep or break those promises, right? So the promise of let's use, let's use CrossFit, uh, a CrossFit gym, right? The promise, uh, of a CrossFit gym is something to do with, um, by engaging in this difficult work, you're going to become healthier. Right. And branding is literally everything that goes into the act of keeping or breaking those promises. Does that sound like. Does that make sense, I guess, maybe is the first place to, for you, does that when you hear that, is that a definition that you feel like, OK, yeah, no, I see where that I see where I could apply that. Yeah, I like the I like the idea of. Um, um, the word changes is nice because what we've been told forever is what we want to do is um, find the pain. Right, find the solution that needs to be solved, and the goal of marketing is essentially to deliver that message, bring awareness to it. This is the problem that you need solved. Um, here we are. Here's how we solve it, and here's why you should be a part of our group. Yep. Um, I like that a lot, as long as well with the idea of this, the the promise and the act of keeping them. Yeah. So, um, you know, the way I kind of like to think of of marketing is. Um, as a process mm. and marketing to me is how do we bring someone from a um, unknown to a loyalist and that's really kind of the way I think of marketing and then the first few stages of that are advertising and the later stages of that are branding um, yes Brent does overlap completely and people have to but you think of it in terms of like um, we talked about this a little bit in the last podcast that we broke into recently um, which was that marketing hourglass, which mm. the first few stages are, the first thing they have to know is they have to, you know, it, it's a takeoff of the marketing funnel, which everyone kind of has been in business for any yep. bit of time kind of understands, which is awareness, consideration, and purchase. So the first goal that we're trying to do with any sort of marketing is bring greater awareness to whatever, as you said, like here's an issue and here's the change we're going to make. Mm -hmm. But at a really baseline level, it is like um, Coca-Cola, yep. like we're here, McDonald's, like here, Budweiser, Ford, like they do so much just to be in front of your face all the time. That's mostly done through advertising. Mm -hmm. um, in 
the traditional models, like really obvious, which from everything from like print to newspaper to, um, you know, billboards, just the, the logo front and center, front of mind, and then it's, it's relevant. Mm-hmm. And one of the major components of marketing, I believe, is that it's, does the customer perceive you relevant in their lives, in their space as a, who they consider themselves to be? And that's when we start to get edge into the branding a little bit. Mm-hmm. So backing up a little bit, if we go from that that funnel of awareness, consideration, purchase into the hourglass, which is the first thing is they have to know. They have to know you. They have to mm-hmm. know about you. Then from there, they have to like. And if they like you, then the next thing they can do is trust you. If they trust you, then they will buy from you. If they buy from you, then hopefully they repeat buy from you. And if they do that, and they like enough, then they refer. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how it gets bigger at the end. Each one of those steps in that hourglass or funnel has certain um, mechanisms in place and certain um, tactics that we can use, both from the advertising and both from the branding perspective, to further draw greater awareness, consideration, and purchase. So we start off with the definition. Um, I think that my definition of marketing would be the process in which you bring someone from an unknown to a convert loyalist. Mm -hmm. Um, Advertising is um, telling people who you are, where you are, and why they need you. And the act of branding is getting people to feel and associate themselves with your brand. So companies like, um, you know, if I was like, you know, I got this problem going on with my PC. Can you help me out with it? You'd be like, no, dude, I'm a Mac guy. Mm-hmm. Like, have you seen the new Chevy Silverado? Mm-hmm. No, dude, I'm a Ford guy. Like, there's a new Pilates place that opened up down the street. You want to go try it out? It's like, no, I'm a CrossFitter. Mm-hmm. Those companies have done a phenomenal job branding because the people, their their consumers, are defining themselves by the fact that they use their products. I am a CrossFitter. I'm a Mac guy. I'm a Ford guy. That's companies that have done this incredibly, incredibly well. That's what most of us should be striving from from a branding perspective. Right. I think from the advertising perspective, if you're, um, you know, if you could take this spectrum of like um, on one side, you are making widgets, like total commodity. You're selling wheat, like just like, like there's nothing yeah. there, right? Yep. On the other side, it's like um, we're gonna date, right? Um, as you go through that spectrum, it becomes more important. Advertising lies on the widget side and us becoming in a really intimate relationship is on the branding side. So if you kind of more real world, if you are um, selling phones, like advertising is really, really important. If you're selling sneakers, advertising is really, really important. Um, But if you're selling a service, a restaurant or a gym, branding is way more important because what you need to be able to do there is once people are in you, it's a relationship thing. Mm-hmm. And there's certain levels and everyone's somewhere on that spectrum. But understanding where you are in that spectrum can really drive your focus inside of the marketing umbrella. Should we be doing more advertising or should we do more branding? The other place I like to look is metrics for that. Um, you know, We've recently gotten into some data analytics. And what you can find is where is the drop-off points? So you have people in each category. You have how many people are aware of us? Well, that's like followers. It's really easy now. It's way easier now mm-hmm. than it used to be. So um, before you had to do like market surveys, which are grossly inaccurate. 
So how many people know us? Well, then from there, how many people follow our newsletter? Okay, well, if we drive up the number of newsletter followers or email subscribers, that's people that like us, that say like, we like what you're doing. Then from there, the trust thing, like are they engaging with you? Are they engaging back and forth? Are they, that's a trust thing. Then from there, how many of those people are actually purchasing? From that, how many people are repeating? Where's the churn? Where's the drop-off at month one, month two, month three? And then you create the customer experience so you're hitting certain trigger points at wherever those churns are and that's where you kind of blend this advertising and branding thing together yeah we've talked about the um the customer journey a bit at least as it relates to crossfit new england um i think we i think the episode was titled something along the lines of running your gym like a private school or something like that so um if if folks are interested in in diving more into at least that end of it uh, Mm -hmm. i definitely recommend that um where where did you start thinking about marketing as it relates to starting or running? Let's call it, let's call it CrossFit New England. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think one of the things that makes you a bit different from a lot of affiliate owners that I know and that I've worked with is that there, there's a part of you that has always, I think thought about things as it relates to the marketing and the branding end of things as equally as it did the, the, operational side or the, the, I just love training people or all that stuff. Is, is that true? Is has marketing always been an interesting thing to you or is it something that you've come to think about and learn about because you've realized I, I have to? Yeah. Um, I, I'm fascinated by marketing. Um, I'm fascinated what, like, it's one of the reasons I'm fascinated by, by coaching. It's like what drives behavior? That's the same thing that we're doing with coaching. It's like, I'm going to try to get you to change your behavior to do these things. That's what marketing is, right? You've been sitting on the couch or you've been working out over there. I want you to try to get you to come over here. What you're trying to do is use psychology and to change a behavior. So I'm, I'm fascinated by that in terms of, um, putting it into practice. My natural default is I hate, I mean, with a passion, you know, this it's, we don't, we don't do advertising on this podcast because mm-hmm. I hate advertising. I I hate sales. I shouldn't say I hate advertising. That's the wrong term. I hate sales. Mm-hmm. I I never want somebody. If somebody doesn't want to be at the gym, like I, I last thing I do is convince them to try to be at the gym. Mm-hmm. So I had this natural um, af, um, affinity for branding. I'll talk about more about that. That means and a natural. Um, um, disinterest slash like um, like hatred towards the, <laughs> yeah. the other side of things. Yep. And I think it serves us well because I didn't realize what I was doing, but I was on the spectrum more of the branding side yep. with the industry I was in. Yep. What we're trying to do is get people to come into our home and expose their weaknesses with us. Like mm-hmm. that's a tough sell. Like that's a really hard sell. Like come over here and do things that you're really not good at. That's what our product is. Mm -hmm. So in order to do that, like advertising is not going to work. It's just not. And when you start digging in the metrics of it, it's really easy. You ask, you know, back when we started, it was about 97 to 99% of our new customer acquisitions were all through word of mouth. I can remember the first person that came in that wasn't a friend of one of our current customers. Now through the 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 rage that which is crossfit and the exposure that it has as a brand worldwide both through the games and everything else that numbers dropped to about 70 to 80 percent but most of them are still coming in because their cousin does it in north carolina or mm-hmm. they you know whatever it is um it's still word of mouth so to me when you're 
when you're focusing on branding, you're focusing on your current customers. Your current customers feel in the gym. When you're focusing on advertising, you're focusing on strangers, people that are not your customers. So the way I like to think about this is, you know, Greg Glassman's definition of advertising is everything you can do to improve your business that does not improve your business. So I, I, you hand me $100,000 and you say to me, Ben, you have to spend this on advertising. Well, if I'm forced to spend that advertising, none of my current customers see any benefit from them whatsoever. It does not improve my, my customer's experience at all. Now, if you say to me, Ben, here's $100,000, you have to spend that on branding. Branding is the flip side of that. Branding is f- solely focused on your current customers and it is about the feel that they experience. I mean, it's not even the current customers, but it's the people that are already aware, mm-hmm. right? So you're talking to people that are already in the pipeline that know, like, trust, try, and are hopefully buying and repeat customers and referring back up. If you're working on those type of people and you're improving their experiences, that is improving your product or service, whatever you might be providing. That's what I was trying to do from day one anyway. My goal from day one was to build a community and create a place where people didn't want to leave. Give them the best hour of their day. So I wasn't thinking it in terms of like, advertising doesn't work, branding does. I was thinking about like, how can I make this better for them? How can I make this? Every day I walk in the gym, what can I do to make the gym better for my customers? And you think of, it's like, all of a sudden you see some things like, well, maybe if we um, improve the website. Maybe if we got a front desk, maybe if we got a front desk staff to be there, mm-hmm. maybe if we got some um, products that they're buying anywhere anyways, and we create a really nice um, retail experience for them. Maybe if we um, um, create different, uh, expand a class offering, maybe if we get more rowers, maybe if we um, create leaderboards, maybe if we create a better platform to log the results on, like all those things improve their experience. If their experiences are improving, then what they'll do is when you're not around, this is what branding is to me, what do they say about you when you're not around? Mm-hmm. Then when you're not around, which I believe is a controllable factor, when they're when you're not around, they start changing what they're saying. And then back in the day, it was the 95 plus, now it's a 75 plus, 75% of the marketing, the umbrella part, the marketing messages out to the universe start to swing more towards the positive than the negative, And that's what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, I generally agree with you, especially as it relates to affiliates, <clears throat> um, to, uh, to the degree of usefulness advertising is. Um, I, I think I come at it a little bit different, but I do want to ask you one thing. And it's, it, it's, it's popped in my head as you were talking. We haven't talked about it before, but there is a very, you, the, the network effect. You know what the network effect is. Most, most people consider it or think about it as it relates to technology products, right? Social media or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, and the network effect ba- basically says the thing gets better the more people that use it, right? So uh, the first person who had a fax machine was miserable because they don't have anybody to fax, right? So when another person got a fax machine, the fax machine got a little bit better. So the network effect um, is that. And, and I wonder if, do you see the value of a network effect inside of the gym? In other words, does your gym get better when you have... 30 more people who come into it? And if the answer is yes, why isn't advertising a method by which you could do that? Um, again, I, I agree with you that it generally mm-hmm. doesn't work, but I'm curious if it doesn't work because 
we're not doing it well. And by mm-hmm. we, I just mean yeah, CrossFit affiliates specifically. Because yep. there are, because advertising does work, right? Like yep. we've talked about the 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 usefulness of, of advertising for, for Noble, for example, yep. right? What about the CrossFit affiliate is unique in that advertising doesn't seem to be at least as effective as, as it is anywhere else? Okay, so let me take, let me, let me answer that one first. I think there was a couple of questions in there. Probably let me take, was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, let me take the reason that I don't believe advertising is the thing that people should be focusing on if they were an affiliate. Yeah. I talked about you tried, this is a numbers game and you're trying to figure out where is the, the place that you're only as strong as your weakest link. So you're trying to find the link in the chain. So most people believe that the reason that they can't get from 150 members to 250 members is that they not enough people know about them. It's the easy way out. That's not the issue. And the easy answer to that is people are like, no, it is, it is, is go count how many waiver forms you have. And I promise you, you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of waiver forms. At CrossFit New England, we have almost 400 members but we have thousands of waiver forms. What that means is we've had thousands of people come through the door and try our service. That then once they're there said, this is not for me. We don't need to get more people through the door. And that's almost every affiliate. Mm -hmm. The problem is not getting them through the door. I know you feel like it is. The problem is your retention and not retention actually, it's your churn. And those are two different numbers I think we should differentiate between. Retention is if you start the month with 100 members, at the end of the month, you have 100 members, you have 100% retention. Mm-hmm. But if in that process, you lost five members, and you gained five members, you have a 5% churn. That doesn't sound that bad. You have a 5% churn. Okay. That's month over month. So that is over the course of a year, you have a 60% churn rate. The problem is you're not holding on to your members. The reason you're not holding on to your members is not because you're not spending more money on or not forget money, more resources on advertising is because you're not pouring enough resources, me included, into the experience. The people that are walking through the door are saying, this isn't for me. And the reason they're saying this isn't for me is mo- most likely not because of the program, because the program delivers the best results in the history of mankind for turning people from what they were to what they want to become. From a physiological and even psychological standpoint, there is no fitness program that's ever been created because we've measured it mm-hmm. that produces this type of results. Well, you're sitting on the best results. What you're sitting on exactly what they're coming the door for. What they're what these people are leaving for is I didn't feel like this was the right place for me. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, it's not an advertising issue. The goal is not to get more people to funneling through and make the churn rate even higher. You can solve it that way. Mm-hmm. I'm going to back up. You can. You can pour money into advertising and all of a sudden your churn stays the same, 5%, but you're pulling in 100 people a month. What's going to end up happening though is you're going to have even worse word of mouth because as you said, it's like the fax machine thing, the network effect. Mm -hmm. From when you go from one to two, yes, cross the million gets better. When you go from two to four, it gets better. When you go from four, it's that exponential growth. When you go from 50 members to 100 members to 200 members, it gets way, way, way better. Mm -hmm. There's more camaraderie. There's more feel like I'm a part of something cool. Nobody wants to sit in a restaurant where you're the only one in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to be- Unless that, you paid to, 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 to shut the restaurant, the whole restaurant. Right. Exactly, yes. <laughs> Which, case Which is weird, special. right? And yes, you feel right. really special. Yeah. So if you rent out CrossFit New England, yeah. but they only want to be in that if that restaurant is exclusive yeah. already and there's so many people that want to get in there. Yeah. No one's renting out the restaurant that's going bankrupt three months. Right. So it's there is like the more demand, the better. The more demand, the better. The more demand, the better. 
to a point, mm-hmm. right? And there is, we are a movie theater, right? Which is, there is only so many seats. Once we get to um, X number of people per class, so we have, um, we strive for 60% attendance and we we do very, very well with that, just in reference. Uh, know, how do you measure that? Uh, like mo- monthly? Daily, daily, daily okay, attendance. So, so how many I have are, 100 members, I want 60 people to walk exactly in and out right. the door every day. Got exactly it. that. Yep. Six people showing up, 60% of your people showing up on a daily basis for the workout. Put that in perspective of a global gym, they're shooting for 10%, yeah. right? If they had 60%, every global gym in the world would go out of business. Globo gyms, by the way, are in the advertising business. Mm-hmm. It's a different business model than we're running. And this is what gets people off guard. Like, I can get it. I can hear it right now. Some MBA students are listening to this going like, he's wrong, he's wrong, he's wrong. I am wrong if we're running a globo gym, mm-hmm. 100% wrong. Because a globo gym, look at the churn that they have. It's not even the churn. Because I, I take it back, it's not the churn. What they're in the business of doing is selling memberships and hoping and praying that people don't show up. That's why the membership, for most of them, like the Planet Fitness ones, the ones that charge $9.99, $14.99, mm-hmm. or $20. If there's under $20 a month, they're in the business of selling you a membership and then hoping and praying you don't show up. Because mm-hmm. if they get 60% attendance, which we are striving for, they go out of business. Mm-hmm. They, it, you, have, you have hundreds of people coming to a movie theater that only seats 15 people. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. You're going to go and they're going to use up all the resources and everything else. Um, so what we are trying to do, I lost much of I thought with the, um, the movie theater analogy. I was actually visualizing the movie theater. Um, but it's a reason that advertising, oh, for the MBA students, all yeah, those guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, the business model that those guys are operating under is an advertising model. Yep. They need to get the word out there. They need to get the next person to come in because it's a sales thing. And once they get them in, they get them under a contract, a long-term contract, hopefully, or the payment per month is so little that people are, they literally, the thought process that goes, they've studied this. And the reason they charge $9.99 a month, $9.99 a month is it's so little that people justify it. They go, I won't cancel this month because I might go one day. If I go one day, it's worth me keeping it. And then they just go and yeah. go and go. And they have people for years. <clears throat> it's actually so little that people will move states they move states and they don't cancel it because it's one of those like almost like a service fee. You don't even think about it anymore. Now, if that would charge was $220 a month, like we charge, somebody moves a state, they're they're canceling their membership. So we need to do is deliver on the service side of that, which is the branding side of that. We need to be, when I ask the person, do you want to go to Pilates? I need them to go, dude, like, what are you talking about? I work out at CF&E. That's li- the literally the thing we have to do. Like, hey, you want to go and do this? Like, no, dude, I I go to I work out at CFE. Mm-hmm. We have to get to the point where they're defining themselves by that. And you do that through branding. So maybe we take this from like this kind of like conceptual thing down to like the nitty gritty of it, mm-hmm. right? So let's say um, um, the leaderboard example, right? The leaderboard example is a great one. If you have leaderboards in your gym, and let's say. Um, you have a new client coming in named Mark. And Mark is a former football player. And he's here because he wants to train and compete on your team and go to compete in CrossFit and go to the games and all that stuff. But when he's come in, like everyone, the coach has been like, we scale to start and you're going to lift lower weights and we're going to do 50% of the volume. And he's like, dude, like I'm here to throw down and like be a beast. Well, after one month of being here and being a loyal foot soldier and scaling workouts, he's been looking at all the leaderboard stuff. And he's like, Grace, like I know I can... 30 clean and jerks for a time at 135. The best time in the gym is a minute 30. I know I can beat that. 
And if I can beat that, people will recognize, this is a story everyone plays in their heads. I know these people will recognize me and they will um, start to see me for the athlete I am and I'll start to compete with the, train with the competitors and I'll feel valued and important, which is one of the basic human needs is to feel important. Mm -hmm. So if we finally do the workout one month into Mark's experience and the coach says, hey, like, you can do the workout prescribed today. He's like, yes, plays the story up in his head. And he finishes the workout and he does it 115, beats the best time that's ever been shown in the gym. And that's the end of the story. Like he comes the next day and the leaderboard hasn't been changed and the coach doesn't make any mention of it. And he comes the next day and the leaderboard still hasn't been changed and the leaderboard still hasn't been changed the next day. Like, I don't know what Mark's feeling is about the gym, but it's not optimal. At worst, it's probably like, these guys don't care. Now, if you flip the script and the workout ends, and this is branding. This is what branding is. It's not just your logos. It's not just your shirt. It's not just the sign. It's not just your website. It's the feel. It's what you do to instill the right feel. The workout ends and your coach knows how to do this. You've trained the coach how to do this. The coach says, hey guys, great job today. Loved how everyone was locking out those jerks. Didn't see any press outs. That was the number one point performance we were looking for today. Let's everybody give one big clap on three for that. One, two, three. Boom. And everyone claps. He goes, by the way, guys, heads up. I go, no, you guys know Mark. He's a new student here. He's been for, for a month. Turns out Mark is a freaking beast. He just beat the best time in the gym ever, better than any of our games athletes ever. He just got a 115, beat our best time ever by 15 seconds. Let's give it up for Mark. Let's give three claps and hey, Mark. Ready? One, two, three. Hey, Mark. And Mark comes in the next day, walks in, looks at the leaderboard, and every name has been erased, right? And readjusted, yep. and Mark's name is on the top. While he's looking at that, he walks over and he's like, oh, that feels good. A couple guys walk over, pat him on the back, go like, yo, you must be Mark. I saw on CFNE's social media that you broke the time. Dude, you're a beast. What you used to do? You want to train with us this afternoon? What's Mark's feeling about the gym? Mm -hmm. That's what branding is. It's how you establish that feel. And there's infinite number of ways to do it. As small as like, how do you display your products? If you put out one Killcliffe can in an empty fridge, somebody that wants a Killcliffe can could go and buy that one Killcliffe can. I'm telling you through like marketing experience, that is not the way to do it. The way to do it is to stock the fridge completely full, full of Killcliffe, labels facing out, neatly organized, inappropriate SKUs. That's the branding play. Making it feel like you care is the number one thing you can do in terms of a branding play. Mm -hmm. Where does, um, you mentioned it earlier, but where does the, <clears throat> where does trust fit into marketing or branding where yeah. do you think about it how do you think it uh affects marketing or how does marketing affect trust how do what is that yeah, what is the interplay there? Uh, so, um um great question i'm not using it as a stall tactic <laughs> i actually because it's a great question because if you can figure that out it's one of those like um it's a million dollar question right mm -hmm. if you can figure that out you basically solve the equation of 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 advertising. If you get people to trust you, you've done it. Yep. So there's a whole bunch of tactics that you can use. I don't have the right answer for that. Yeah. Right. But there's things from like uh, positioning yourself as a thought leader um, by showing people that you care about them. It's um, by, um, you know, any way you would do it in a normal relationship by like listening mm -hmm. to them and then being consistent and delivering on promises, as you said earlier on. That is like, your ability to deliver on the promises that you've 
sustain that you've made yep. is the number one thing that you can do with trust, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're able to do that, you're able to move people from this awareness and like and true from that into the trust thing. Well, mm-hmm. once you get them to trust you, then you go, hey, like, you know what? You really benefit from if you like um if you follow this program instead. Mm-hmm. People are like, yeah, okay. I trust you. Mm-hmm. As opposed to if they if they never get to that trust point, you're not you you you're not gonna convert. You yeah. won't convert. Yeah. So if I had that answer, um, we'd probably be crushing it. Mm-hmm. We are. Yeah, I think um, in, in my work with affiliates and looking at the affiliate community, uh, the thing that I came down on uh, as a point of, of interest for me and, and importance for me is uh, an affiliate's website. Mm-hmm. And so I spend a lot of time looking at affiliate websites. And by and large, most of them are very bad. And I know why they're very bad because it's uh, almost nobody who started an affiliate is comfortable building websites Mm -hmm. and at the start had the money to pay somebody to do it and, and knew really what it, what, what the purpose of it was. I think that's probably the biggest one because even if you get somebody else to build a website, you have to tell that person what the purpose is. Yes. And I think that, you know, us, I'll raise my hand. I didn't know what the purpose of our website was for a very long time. And so- I bring that up because what websites are is your first opportunity to develop a little bit of trust, Mm -hmm. right? So if I go to your website and it looks like uh, it was built in 2002 and hasn't been updated since, what do I get from that? I don't know, but it's probably not. I, I trust these people because you. what you said before is like, we want people to come into the gym and do difficult things repeatedly, mm-hmm. right? Okay, and you're gonna and you're gonna charge me 200 bucks to do it. That, like, I need a lot of trust even to consider that, both of those things. Because some people are gonna come into your website uh, and see the price and say, that's absurd. Yep. Or, or they're gonna be like, okay. And then the, what they're gonna look at is, is this the right place for me? Do I belong there? Love right? that. And so- if your website isn't, if you haven't paid attention to your website, you're just giving people an excuse to say, uh, "I don't belong there." Right? Either I'm looking for, I'm looking for a a place where it doesn't feel like the website was built 15 years ago. Right? And so when we look at the when we look at what you know, and, and we're focusing on CrossFit today, partially because of, because we're both biased towards that. But mm-hmm. but when you look at the what the beginning stages of CrossFit, which I know you have, and I know you focus in on a lot, is what does that look like? I need a little bit of trust for them to come in the first time. If they come in the first time and if if they trust me enough to come in, I can start to build a bit of a relationship. Not Not a super deep one, especially in those early stages. I can build a little bit of relationship. With that relationship, I can get them to be a little bit more consistent. If they're a little bit more consistent, they're going to make progress. That's the that's the beauty and the nature of CrossFit, right? Consistency, obviously yep. the mechanics. But yep. if you're consistent, you're going to see progress. And when you see progress, that's when you start to talk about it. That's when you start to identify yourself by the things that you're doing. So if you can start to look at your website as the first chance you have to build just a little bit of trust, and it might be all you need to get them in the door. And then what hap- when you build a relationship, like you said, a relationship is built almost entirely on trust. So it's, it's, it's ever ratcheting up the chances you have to build a little bit more trust because one, because that's what works, but two, because that's what creates the word of mouth that will bring in yeah. the 75 or 80% uh, 
uh, uh, relate, you know, the, 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 the 80% of people coming in are going to be because they know somebody, right? And then the 20% is uh, maybe that's advertising, maybe that's something else. But that, that's why I, I harp so much when, I, when I'm working with affiliates on like, you need to pay attention to your, to your website because everybody who comes to your gym, whether, they're, whether their cousin goes to your gym or whether they have a friend who goes to North, in, you know, in North Carolina, they're coming to your website first. You know, you think about in terms of building a relationship, <clears throat> one of the easiest ways you can do that on a one-on-one basis is like the way you build trust is by listening to somebody. Yeah. Your website, just by doing something really simple of changing the pronouns can make it seem like you're listening. By saying, instead of saying like, we offer this and we do that and uh, we are a community focused on this. It's like, if you... Mm-hmm. If you are looking for dot, 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 if you are blah, 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 if you, and like, just like, we're, we're this is about you. It's about mm-hmm. the user experience. Yeah. That right then or in itself is the first level of establishing trust. And one thing I would, I would actually um, even further on is you said, um, once they come in and they see results, that's when they start talking about you. What you can actually do, and some companies do this really, really well, is from that very first experience, if you're incredibly lean into your strengths right mm-hmm. if you're incredibly witty and you're funny like yeah. make your website funny you can create what's called a talk trigger which is you can force some not force you can strongly encourage someone to talk about you before they've even kind of like been down the path mm-hmm. double tree hotels does this mm. before you experience the the room when you're checking in they create a talk trigger we're checking into a double tree hotel have you ever done one? No, uh, maybe, but but go ahead. It's I don't not think a maybe because you would okay, know. Okay, then I would remember. Yes. When you, and everyone's listening right now knows what I'm talking about. When you check into a Doubletree hotel, they give you a warm chocolate chip cookie. Mm-hmm. So I get home from my flight, check in my hotel, go upstairs, talk to, call my wife. I'm like, she's like, how's it going? I'm like, this place is really nice. <laughs> they gave me a warm chocolate chip. Like that, like it's a talk trigger. And talk triggers, don't even have to be wait until you get into contact. It could be on your site. If there is an, you know, um, um, Heather bought some um, bone broth like mm-hmm. um, online through Amazon or something like that. And when she got, before she got the bone broth, she got a confirmation email. And the confirmation email was a talk trigger. It was like, it was Heather with like four explanation points behind it. The way we would talk to each other on like yep. a text. Heather, like so psyched you bought some bone broth. Billy's in the corner doing push-ups. He's so pumped to have you like try our yeah. product. Like, and she goes, check out how cool this is. Yeah. It's like right away you're creating talk to you. This is branding. This is marketing. This is advertising all together. And you don't have to wait. One of the best talk triggers I've ever heard of is um, this burger place. I can't remember the name of it. And it's, it has a different name, but everyone calls it the Joker Burger Place. Mm. Because what they do, it's not the best burgers in the world, but they have a line out the door all the time. Because after you go and place your order, regardless if you're buying just a milkshake or a side of fries, or if you're buying for your entire corporation, a big catering thing, after your after you plan on your purchase, but before you pay, they bring out a deck of 52 cards face down. And they say, pick a card. If you pick one of the two jokers, your entire order is free. I love that. So everyone's like, let's go to the bur- the Joker burger place. Because yeah. it's that's a t- they're not yeah. talking about the burgers. They've instilled this talk trigger. Yeah, so many things there. Uh, but the 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 thing I really like about that last thing is that 
a good brand is a brand that that over delivers on the value that is expected, right? So expected at a burger joint is a is a good mm-hmm. decent hamburger, right? If you can't do that, you're not going to be in business for very long. But that's meeting expectations, right? That's meeting spec. Everything above and beyond that, that those talk triggers, that that uh, the enjoyment or whatever it is, that's where the brand is built because that's where the actual value happens. Because at the end of the day, if I have the choice between two decent hamburgers, then I'm going to pick either the cheapest or the closest. But if I have the choice between a decent hamburger and the fun, right. I'm going to choose the fun, even if it, I have to drive a little bit yes. longer, even if I have to pay a couple bucks more. Love it. So, um Airbnb did this, it does this really well. So through their like growth, what they realized was, um, you know, at one point, I think his name is Chesky. Is that? Yeah, Brian Chesky. Brian Chesky. Um, um, At one point met with a mentor or a consultant and basically was like, they were growing, expanding. Um, And he's like, you know, how do we scale this thing? How do we make this thing go? And they realized that the way they had to do that was to enhance the customer experience, the customer journey. So what they did was they mapped out, okay, what would a one-star experience be? And that's like, okay, you go there and um, the the keys don't work and you have to wait 20 minutes for the person to come. That's a one-star experience. Yeah. What would a two-star experience be? Okay, it goes there, but like, uh, you know, a light switch doesn't work and it takes a long time for the hot water to turn on and... Um, you know, what would a three-star experience be? Well, that's kind of meeting expectations. What would a five-star expectation be? Well, that is where you go there and there's a bottle of wine waiting for you and the person left their car and a surfboard for you with the best surf spots. Mm-hmm. That's a five-star. You'd be like, you gotta, don't go to a hotel. Go to right. like, you gotta go there. Like this, when I use this, like they gave me their car and gave me a surfboard and told me these secret surf places and they booked a restaurant for me at a at the best restaurant in the place. Mm-hmm. That's a five-star experience. So, they didn't stop there though. So what they did was this thought experiment like, what would a six star hmm. look like? Hmm. And a seven star experience. And what would an eight star experience look like? And it got to the point where they were like, okay, so a seven star experience would be like, I mean, sorry, a, a 10 star would be, you land at the airport and we have a marching band waiting for you <laughs> to get off the airplane. And there's this big press conference thing. We make you feel so important. You take them by a limo and then all, you know, you you can fill in the rest yep. of the blanks, right? Yep. This amazing experience. Like, okay, now we're just going to backtrack to what's the next, like, what can we do right now? And all of a sudden, a five-star experience looks pretty easy. Mm. And it's like, why are we not delivering on a five or a six all the time? You stretch out that thought experiment to like, what's, forget about what's possible, what's the best. And all of a sudden, what becomes possible is way above what you might've been delivering before. Yeah. This is what we're doing now with our 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 current companies yeah. you're trying to enhance the customer experience by thinking like what would this look like if we could yeah one another uh, i love that thought experience another version of that might be um again m- maybe let's just keep it in the affiliate because it's easy uh if i were to tell you that i'm opening a gym across the street from you i'm opening a crossfit affiliate across the street from you and it's going to put you out of business how is it going to do that Right? How how is it going to be so much better than you that it's literally going to put you out of business in a year, whatever it is? The answers there, you could do, do all that. of those things. Go do that. Right? Because yeah. what you're actually doing is you're saying, where are we weak? Yeah. Like, where are they going to do something that's so much better than what we're doing that it's going to pull everybody in that direction? Right? So if your answer is, you know, they're going to have the greatest community in the world. Well. What what would what does that look like and why and how can we start right. to reverse engineer that? Yeah, right? I love or whatever that. the answer is. I 
I love that aspect. And then kind of what triggered that also a thought was um, also what you said before about like the website. Mm. Um, and I think what's really important when you're delivering all of this kind of like um, experience and messaging and um, feeling is, as you just said, is like, where are we weak? Okay. But also where are we strong? Yeah. Like, who are we? Like, what do we stand for at our core? Because you know, all the talk now is about like eliminating weaknesses and that. Like, truthfully, what you should be doing in marketing and your business is doubling down on your strengths. Yeah. You know, if you're an athlete, work on your weaknesses yep. for sure. Especially if you're a CrossFit athlete. If you own a if you own a business, like figure out where your weaknesses are absolutely and hone them up. Yep. But, but only if those weaknesses are so important that they deserve to be. The better thing to do is like, like, like who are we like mm. understand who we are and I, I like this idea of like the uh, what are your three uniques mm -hmm. what are the three things that make you special and if we use um tesla cars as an example of this like tesla cars are electric they seat five people and they go zero to 60 really fast i don't know how fast like under three seconds yes. right so okay so that's three uniques well there's a lot of electric cars out there yep. there's a lot of cars that seat five people out there there's a fair amount of cars that go zero to 60 under three seconds. There's no car that does all three yeah. except a Tesla. Yep. So that's what they're building. And that's, if you want that, we have it for you. We're not for everybody, but if you are like us, man, do we have something for you, yeah. right? So in terms of your CrossFit example, it's like, okay, what are your three things? Like, We are the place that if you want to compete and go to the games, that's where you are. We have every piece of equipment like you could possibly imagine. And we um, have a whole recovery place. Yep, yep. Like, okay, that's, you have three. Now, a lot of places have recovery. A lot of people places have huge facilities with all the equipment. And a lot of people are really good places for competitors. You might be the only available option for all three of mm -hmm. those things. Mm -hmm. You know, or it's world-class coaching and nutrition and a community. And you could layer them out. And then figure out who you are on a on a kind of um, a, a tripod type yep. basis. Yep, like a, a stool. A stool, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What um, is yeah exactly? What do you rest upon? Right. Yeah. yeah, it's similar to that because you mentioned you mentioned Tesla. It made me think about uh, when I when I think about marketing because because uh, that a, a lot of what you just said and it, and it is part of marketing and branding because that's that's what you end up talking about and that's what you end up uh, highlighting maybe. Um, as as the service that you're that you're giving, but equally to that, is um, being able to think deeply about the kinds of problems that you're looking to solve. To, to kind of go back to the earlier um, idea of changes, because the when when you're talking about marketing, you're talking about the changes that you're looking to instigate. What you're doing is you're saying, I see where you are today. By engaging with us, we're going to get you to this place, right? So we're just talking about changes and about solving solving problems. So. You, you mentioned Tesla, and I think about thinking deeply about the the problems that they're actually solving. Yeah, yes, those things are all true that you mentioned, but that is uh, that's what I would think of as the first layer of problems that they're solving. The first layer of problems would be the the one that you're willing to tell anybody, right? So I I want a car, I, I want a fast car, I want an electric car. Those are all those are all first layer yep. problems. Features. Features, right? Yep. To go a Bells little bit, and whistles. yeah. To go a little bit deeper is what I would consider the private problem. So that yep. would be a public problem. The private problem would be something along the lines of, um, 
uh, or, or would be something that you're less likely to tell the dealer or that you're less likely to tell a stranger in an elevator, right? So it would be for Tesla, it would be something like, um, I want a car that that uh, indicates that I have enough money to buy a Tesla or that indicates that I'm uh, that I'm a first mover or an early adopter of technology it, 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 that indicates that um, I care about the environment so much that I'm willing to spend all this money on a car, right? Those are deeper le- a deeper level of problem that Tesla can also solve. And then there's even a deep, the deepest level, which is uh, what, I, what I call the principal problem, which is the, the problem about how the world should be, right? So, the, so in Tesla's case, we should all be driving electric cars. We, should, we shouldn't be all driving gas-guzzling cars whatever it is there's no real right or wrong but as a as a as an exercise of marketing if you can walk through if you can walk yourself through what are mm-hmm. the layers of problems that we're looking to solve you can then turn that into marketing you can then turn that into a website or you can turn that into messaging or copy or imagery or whatnot but the brands that do a really good job of thinking through all those things like those are the ones that you end up identifying yourself with or that you're willing to engage with so much that you identify yourself with, right? So we could we could go through that process with CrossFit. We could go through that with CrossFit New England. Um, but it's not enough to just identify, uh, we make widget X. Yep. Because everybody's making widget X. At the end of the day, we, you, there's so much choice out there, especially you know in the world of CrossFit affiliates. When, when you and I started, I was thinking about this this morning, when we started, like I had one choice to go to a CrossFit gym. I, and I, and I, I laughed this morning because I thought about it. I was like, nope, actually I had two choices because I could go to CrossFit Boston or I could do what you did, which is start a CrossFit right. gym, right? So I actually had two choices. I didn't yeah. know it at the time. but Or there was more options. Or you could do CrossFit in a global gym. Right, or you exactly. could do CrossFit in your garage. Or you could stick to whatever else you right. wanted to do. So there was. There were, but you didn't feel like a CrossFitter unless you were doing it, maybe. But that's not the point. The yeah. point is I didn't have a lot of options then. Yep. Today... I do have quite a bit of options, not only amongst affiliates, but uh, but the the amount of education online is now such that I can learn how to do CrossFit, quote unquote, mm-hmm. uh, on YouTube, and I could do it in my garage if I wanted, if that was what I wanted to do. I could also go do. I can get a similar vibe from like a Soul Cycle um, or a, or an Orange Theory. Like, there's lots of different. I have lots of different options now, and so. When options grow like that, you end up making choices based on what feels personally relevant to you, most personally relevant to you. And so when you when you can, as a business or as a brand, as you can walk down the, those layers of, of problems that you're solving, what you're really doing is working to, to be able to put forward uh, why you're a specific solution to a specific problem or a personal problem. And so the better you can do that, the more likely somebody looking at three different affiliates can say, ah, that one's for me because yep. that's the one that has a sauna in it. And I'm, you know, I consider myself an athlete and I'm performing and whatnot, or that gym has daycare, right? Like that can also be a part of it as well, but you've got to be able to walk through those. You've got to walk deeper than like we're making people healthier because mm-hmm. Gosh, there's never been more options, at least on the surface, of people willing to make get you healthier. Yeah, people buy why you do it, not what you do. People are emotional. As much as we think that people are rational, um, they're not going to look and say like this costs this, this is this. Yeah. They're, it's people are not um, weighing and measuring on a rational basis. They're right. buying based off emotion, and it's the Simon Sinek stuff, right? Yeah. If you start with the why and 
The other stuff is the bells and the whistles. It's all just the fringe on the outside. And it's, it's important and it matters, but not nearly as much as the feeling that people are getting. That's the difference to me between like the advertising, you know, not the, that's what branding is, right? Yeah. That's the, when you create that brand, when people um, talk about it, they have this, this, a feeling comes about, right? When you have a feeling when someone talks about a brand or a company, that is because of the branding that the company is purpose, Harley Davidson. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you get this feeling, right? This imagery of what that is. That's intentional, mm -hmm. right? That doesn't happen by mistake. You, a certain type of person buys Harley Davidsons. Different than the type of person buys a Kawasaki, mm -hmm. right? Where they don't want the cow, they're not trying to compete against the Kawasaki's. Yeah. What they want is like, if you're this type of person, here we are and we have something for you. Yeah. Join us. Right. And it's uh, a choice that you can make. You get to choose you get to choose what it is you're building and you get to choose who it, who you're building it for. And I think that that's, uh, that is not commonly understood, right? There's this notion that it's for everybody. Yeah. Nothing is for everybody. Yeah. Right. Even things that appear ubiquitous in terms of people, people attaching themselves so or people choosing it. When I started CrossFit New England, that was like part of the, the, the business plan, right? You asked like, what's the target market? Yeah. And that's literally like when I didn't know better, that's literally what I said. I was like, it's for anybody. And people are like, no, no. Because when they were, when you learned about this, when I went to you know school for business, when you learned about it, it was like, you have to segment by like sex and race and socioeconomic demographics and all. And I was like, it doesn't matter. It's like anybody that wants to be fit and be a part of this, like this is for them. Well, you, you learn things over the next like five to 10 years and you realize it's not. Yeah. It's We still are for any almost anybody in that socio-demographic and um, anybody in that age spectrum that what we now classify our target market by is by human characteristics. Psychographics. Psychographics. Humble, hungry, and happy. That is our target market. Humble. If you, if if this, if you're not willing to take coaching, if you already have the answers, this isn't the place for you. Yeah. You have to be, you have to be looking for feedback. That's a big part of what humility is. If you, you know. If it's all about you, like this is not going to be the place for you. Yep. Hungry. If you're looking for the shortcuts, if you're looking for six-minute abs, the magic pill, this is not going to be the place for you. This is about putting in the hard work and doing hard things because we think that that's the path to betterment. And then happy. If you are the type of person that complains a lot, this is not going to be the place for you. If you're the type of person that looks for excuses, this is not going to be the place for you. Yeah. If you find yourself whining and complaining and trying to find the outs every which way, this is not going to be the place for you. Now, you those people go to a gold's gym. Um, or <laughs> you don't have to have all of it. Yeah. Because it can be taught a little yeah. bit. You have to be, That's part of what you'll learn here as well. You have to have a, the kind of the overarching part behind all that is it's really, it's about the humility piece above all else, yeah. really. Because if like, if you're humble enough to say like, if you're basically, if you have the growth mindset, right? If you're curious enough, if you're willing to learn, if you're a lifelong learner, this place could work for you. Because you come in um, and figure and figure things out along the way. Yeah, the way I think about that idea, just the, the notion of, you know, CrossFit's for everybody. It's for any, you know, it's anybody can come and, the way I think about it is that, 
there's a difference between, or there, there's a, a an order in which you can be that kind of inclusive, right? You first have to be exclusive to the people who fit those kind of psychographics. Once they once you once they show you, and they'll show you by their willingness to say yes. Once they show you that they um, are willing to do those things, then you can be inclusive to anybody. So that's why sixty-five-year-old women can work out next to 24 year old guys because they each share those kind of psychographics that allow them to get in the mm-hmm. gym. And then from there, yes, CrossFit works for everybody, but it, but without that exclusivity, it, without the, that layer of, if you're not, if, if you're not like this, then it's not for you. Mm-hmm. Then you like, you can't consider what you're doing inclusive to everybody. Cause that's, cause nothing is. What's also interesting about the way CrossFit approached this and, it, um, I believe it was strategic and, and tactful and thought out was it was forging elite fitness. Mm-hmm. That's what CrossFit was back in 2005 through 2012. It was all about the Navy SEALs, the games athletes. It was about if you want to be, um, you know, the 1% of the 1%, you have to follow this program. Yeah. And if you're not, like you can pretend like you are, but you're not. You're just, you're a specialist in another field. Once you have that eliteness once the navy seals are doing your program you can kind of backtrack into like you know getting people off diabetes and off mm-hmm. the couch you it doesn't work the other way you right. can't do sweat into the oldies and then go to the navy seals and be like hey we got a program for you right so in terms of getting everyone because that one percent they're doing crossfit mm-hmm. like the fittest people on the earth are doing some form fashion of crossfit now once you have those people that really elite um you know it's like it's like Nike, right? Once you have Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan, okay, then you can get the soccer moms and dads. But you can't start with the soccer moms and dads and then go to the NBA and be like, we got a product for you guys. Mm-hmm. So there is this kind of like trickle down effect, yeah. which it starts with the the super elites and you can back your way into it mm-hmm. strategically. Right. Um, I keep wanting to talk about Noble. Yeah. Because it's it's... For a few different reasons, uh, one the it the first thing that popped in my head, or the first time it, it popped in my head, was when you we were talking about talk triggers, mm-hmm. and I think about um, uh, Brooks Coffee Roaster, mm-hmm. which was this like I don't even really know what it was. I mean, I know what it yep. was, but it was it was a she owns a coffee shop. Yeah, but yeah, but not. But it was. What do you mean? <laughs> she doesn't. Um, but that's what it was. Like it it was something to talk about. That had nothing to do with the shoes, but that made the shoes look good, right? And so that that was the first that was again that was that's just an example that popped into my head when you when you mentioned talk triggers. But but I, I, Noble's really interesting to me because they do a lot of advertising, but but really what they're doing is building a brand. And when I think about Noble, I think about okay, like why why is Noble working? And this full disclosure, I have no idea why it's working. I, I only know it from the outside, right? So I look at it and I say, okay, why did that work when like th- theoretically starting a shoe company would doesn't make any sense, right? It doesn't, like it shouldn't work with 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 the Nikes and the Reeboks and the Asics and the New Balances and, and, and all these you, established when you, when you start a shoe company, you realize like how, the reason that people don't come into the space it's because it's a really hard product to make. Yeah. Really, sure. really hard. Yeah. And the market's, not only is it saturated, there's a lot of players, um, but it's owned. It's dominated yeah. by yeah. by a massive 
Right. It'd be like, let's make it, let's make a, let's make a soda. Let's like, yeah, let's do yeah. a cola. Like what? Let's no. do a cola. No, it'd be Who? like, let's make a cola. Yeah. It's exactly right. So That's I look amazing. at that and I think like, okay, well, why did, why is Noble working? Yeah. And obviously Marcus and the team there are yep. very smart. So like, yep. I don't, I don't want to. We'll have Marcus on. Yeah. Oh, can't yeah. wait for that. Um, but so when I look at it, I say, okay, how, why, why does it, why is it working? Why did it work? And, and what I see is they, they aim for a very, very narrow market. And by that, I mean, they looked at, they, first, the narrow market was CrossFitters. Okay, good. But even that's not small enough yep. when you have a player like Nike and uh, like Nike and Reebok yep. in it. So, okay, well, what are we going to, how, how do we make that narrow market even more narrow, right? And so I look at it and I say, okay, who, do, who are they talking to? Who are they building a brand for? And it's people who want to say, I do CrossFit, but don't want to wear, but don't want to associate with Reebok. That's really at the end of the day why they figured they figured something out. Like Reebok is all like bright whites and in terms of like brand feel, like it's all well lit and bright and happy and smiling and be a better human. And that's going to that's going to attract a certain a, quite a large number of people. And then they said, OK, but there's a more narrow market that likes that likes things that are dark. And, and again, I mean that on kind of color mm-hmm. palette, like dark and sweaty and dirty and like circa 2009 CrossFit mm-hmm. and not circa 2012, right? Mm-hmm. And so what they did is they said, okay, there's a narrow market. We're going to make it even more narrow and we're going to go super deep towards them. And we're going to build our brand for them and around them and then let everything happen after that. And so it's just, it was just, it's just fun to watch because they're doing it so well. Yep. Um, I don't know. I, I know yeah. you're obviously involved in Noble, yeah. um, uh, but I'm curious from your perspective, like, am I, am I just like layering things in that weren't there or, or was there some amount of intentionality? Oh, you're, the intentionality is is 100% there. You're not far off at all. Cool. Um, we'll have Marcus on. I'll let him, he, Marcus is the head of all branding initiative and everything at Noble. And, um, he's one of, uh, the co-founders. Um, we'll have him on and let him do the the spiel on that. Um, but one of the things that they're very good at is this combination of advertising and branding. Yeah. They understand the power of a brand and what that means. And they need they understand that they need to represent something. Yeah. They can't just make shoes. They have to represent it and speak to a certain client, which was what you're mentioning. But the flip side, of the, or the, the thing that's coincided so well with that is um, they're really bright, smart guys that know how to do advertising as yeah. well. Yep. So I've actually learned a lot from them being in business with them um, in terms of the, you know, from the data analytics side of things and how to strategically um, target ads um, on the, both on the, the digital side and um, everywhere else and how to expand outside the space. Um, they are a phenomenal case study. Um, and it's um, anybody that's um, kind of been privy to the, their messaging, it, you, you realize it's a little bit different um, intentionally. And I think that your take on it is this alternative to Reebok and Nike in the space is exactly spot on. That's where they want to be. Then they want to be the alternative and they're purposely going to try and keep themselves as the alternative and they don't want to be the dominant player in the space. Um, let us, let us start to wrap this conversation up, even though I literally could sit here for another hour. We will not subject people to another hour of this conversation, but I'm curious, um, last question, maybe it's, maybe it's too big to sort of use as a closing question, but I'm really curious where your head is at as it relates to CrossFit New England and marketing and branding specifically, 
within the context of all of the changes that are happening inside of CrossFit? Um, and again, I, yeah. I, that feels like a big question. Maybe it's yeah. not. Maybe it's not a quick one. But um, is anything going to change for you, or should affiliate owners consider changes given all of the changes at at sort of the, the top level? Yeah, I think it's actually a much easier question than maybe you think okay, it is cool. because we've made the change before CrossFit did. Mm. So our goals in 2010, 11 were to win the CrossFit Games, to get on main site, to host seminars, to create a brand and create this awareness around of what CrossFit New England is and be a thought leader in the space. That's completely shifted in the last three years ahead of what HQ has done, which we've shifted our mission statement to create a family of humble, hungry, happy people who kick ass in their 90s. This is not about sending people to regionals. This is about getting people longevity and functionality throughout their life. So... That mission statement resonates a lot with me because when I created that, I thought about literally like, what am I trying to create? Like when I think about like when I started this whole thing, I I, I was in a, a community center running space by the hour and after the workouts were done and we're doing Fran, we're doing Helen and Fight Gone Bad and lifting heavy weights with bumper plates and the workout would end and everyone would scatter and be, it'd be me in the gym by myself five minutes later. And I was like, it's not the workouts. It's something more. I want to create this cohesive group of people that's really proud and happy to be with each other. I want to create a family, right? Mm-hmm. So from there, I, don't, I want that family not just to be a family. I want them to have certain characteristics. I want them to be hungry. Uh, I want them to be humble. I want them to be happy. And we just talked about what, what those yeah. each of those yep. are. So, and not only that, but I want them to have certain physical characteristics as well. But it's not a body weight snatch and a sub six minute mile. What I want them to do is just be like, and I don't know if I'm going to achieve this mission for another 30 years until my members are kicking ass when they're 90 years old. So that's what I'm trying for. It creates this whole decision tree for me. It like makes things so much easier when you yeah. know that. So in terms of like marketing and approach, it's like, well, it's really easy. We mess. That's our message. Yeah. If you're that's actually the, what I would consider your marketing promise. That's the promise. Exactly. Yeah. That's what we're trying to do. It's our mission. So yeah. I hope it's our promise. <laughs> so that's what we're trying to deliver upon. It's one of the things that we hold to us every single day. So we're making decisions like, um, should we create a team, try to put a team together, try to go regionals? Well, that seems like a total yes. deviation from our mission. Like, why would we do that? That's not what we're trying to create whatsoever. Yep. Now, back in 2010, that's exactly what we we're trying to create. And that's why we had two teams at regionals and we were trying to get on the podium at the games and we won the games. It's mm-hmm. like very, very, very different approach. But three years ago, we made this pivot towards away from the competitive aspect to this um, longevity and health play. So the fact that CrossFit is shifting gears themselves is a boon to us. We don't have to change anything. It's just a boon to us because now they're spouting our message as well. Right. Um, Okay, we'll wrap it up there. The only thing I wanted to add was, or not add, but to go back to the talk trigger, the the bone broth receipt. Yeah. That is, uh, I'm 99% sure, a an homage to a, a guy named Derek Sivers who ran a company called CD Baby back in like when you bought CDs on the internet. He created an email receipt that was effectively like, we've received your, we've received your order. It's being, it's being packaged now on a, on a bed of roses. And, and, and the, the email itself, the receipt email um, went viral as much as something back then went viral. Like people would literally send yeah. it to their friends. That's like, exactly. look at the receipt I just got. And that was, Oh, that was part of the branding that they so did. So here would be my suggestion. This is what this is what we're trying. So the reason I brought up the talk triggers was like, don't yeah, you could, so create a receipt. That's awesome. Yep. But you're not. So what these are what DoubleTree did and what that Joker Burger Place did yeah. was they tried to create a talk trigger. The, the what I took to my team was let, let's make every single thing that we do a talk trigger. Mm-hmm. Everything's give everybody something. 
every single time you come in contact with somebody, whether it's like they get an email, whether it's they um, get a receipt, yeah, whether they walk in the yeah. door, when they um, check out the website, like every single thing should be something where somebody goes, wow, you got to see this. Like, honey, come and check this mm -hmm. out. Like, look at this website. Honey, look what they just posted on Instagram. Honey, look at this, um, the workout of the day. Honey, look at like... Yeah. Every single, every single thing is an opportunity to get people to talk about you. Yeah, I love that. Okay, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, Pat. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>